up quick at about noon. Appreciate you for tuning in, downloading, streaming, subscribing, and for listening here to this Tuesday, July 28th edition of the podcast with Damian Barling. Here again, it's the 28th of July. It's training camp day in the NFL. Boy, did that take a did that take a darker turn uh, yesterday after the news coming out of I guess the news was actually coming out of Philadelphia, but it pertained to Miami. Of course, it pertained to a city in Florida, uh, but we'll get to the Marlins story and the Major League Baseball story and the COVID-19 outbreak, and boy, how quickly that story died down. It was the number one news topic from, I'd say, about 7 a.m. yesterday morning to about 11 a.m. yesterday morning, and then never saw a public statement. I, I know Rob Manfred spoke yesterday. Uh, very, you know, much later in the day. But it seems that whole thing has kind of died down, and it was kind of like, ah, oh well. We'll discuss the potential ramifications for what happened with Major League Baseball uh, and what happened with the Miami Marlins yesterday and how that may play into effect with the NFL, who gets their training camp underway today. Uh, but let's start with this. Let's start with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, again, appreciate you for tuning in here uh, to the podcast with Damian Barling on the Be Heard podcast platform. Uh, Kings played their third and final scrimmage game yesterday. They fell behind early, and it was actually through the first 40-plus minutes, even as they were making their comeback. This was a game where I was watching like, I don't feel like there's a lot of takeaway. You know, even, you know, they lost the other two games. They lost to uh, Miami. Uh, they lost to Milwaukee. And thought, uh, there's, there's enough positive that you could walk away. Like, oh, I'm fine with what we're seeing here. I didn't have a ton of positive takeaway through the first 40-something minutes of the game. And then as they continued, they being the Kings, they chipped into that lead. They they even took the lead, and they, they they never faltered. And we can get into uh, coaching rotations and uh, what the Clippers were trying to do, what the Kings were trying to do. Like it, it doesn't matter. I think the theme for the scrimmage games has pretty has been pretty consistent uh, for the Kings and their three opponents. Get some run in. Uh, work on your offense a little bit. Work with your starters a little bit. Get your starters some movement. Get them a sweat. Uh, get them playing competitive basketball. And then they just the Kings just wrapped up games against uh, three teams that don't have to play a real basketball game, like a game of serious consequence for the next couple of weeks. And I know we're all excited for the restart to get underway on Thursday, and rightfully so. We should be in for the Sacramento Kings to get started on Friday. It's great stuff. Miami's set. The Clippers are set. The Bucks are very, very set. They're not going to be playing, uh, you know, as, as, as competitive as the basketball is going to be. They're not going to be playing a meaningful basketball game again for another couple of weeks, not until the middle of August. So I thought the way that, uh, you know, whether it was Spolstra or, or, or Coach Bud, I, I thought the way, or Doc last night, or yesterday, I should say, I, I thought the way that the coaches, and, and Luke Walden for that matter, I thought they were all consistent. They were consistent in the sense of, okay, you could see a theme developing here with how they're going to coach these games and how they're going to approach these games. The difference with the Kings were is uh, the difference with the Kings was they had so many starters that hadn't played. Like we saw Rashawn Holmes play for the first time yesterday. We saw uh, Harrison Barnes play for the first time yesterday. So with that, 
you got kind of a different rotation because we had been used to seeing Kent Bazemore and, and, and you know, Belly, uh, a hero once again. Belly hit one shot yesterday, by the way, for those that didn't know that. That one shot Belly made with 26 seconds left. Uh, but Nemanja Bielitsa, uh coming up big time again. Mr. Clutch, if you will. Uh, Nemanja Bielitsa yesterday. But point is, you're used to seeing those, you know, uh, Bogey and De'Aaron and, and, and those guys and those guys kind of getting uh, their limited, you know, rotation, so, so to speak. Bogey played like 33 minutes yesterday. The starters actually played a decent amount of minutes yesterday. And I think part of that was because, and, and, and I say the starters, but I, I got to include Buddy Heald in that because he's a, a essential part of the rotation. He played 27 minutes yesterday. But I think part of that was is unlike... The Kings' three opponents. Unlike the Heat, the Bucks, and the Clippers, Kings play a meaningful game on Friday. Not only do they play a meaningful game on Friday, they play a meaningful game on Friday that they have to win. San Antonio is not really a part of the conversation. And, and I don't think they're upset by that. I, don't, I, th- I think that is very much by design. I think they're looking at getting these eight games over with, headed back to their offseason destinations, and figuring out what they're going to do to be better Next year. But for the Kings, they had to, in, in, in order to you know, tune up, if you will, for Friday, they had to figure out, okay, like how, how far can we push Harrison Barnes right now? Harrison Barnes hasn't played basketball for, you know, we did some, I think Luke Walton said this uh, weekend he did some three-on-three and he did some four-on-four. So that would be his first live basketball action since what? At minimum, July 3rd? And I'm going to July 3rd because that's when the Golden One Center practice facility shut down. And I assume that is the date that Harrison Barnes tested positive for COVID-19. He talked a little bit about that. It, 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 you know, it, Harrison, this, this sounds Here's Harrison Barnes talking about uh, his experience uh, with the coronavirus. Well, uh, in my household, my wife and my mom um, also tested positive for COVID, so... My wife was sick, really sick for about a week. My mom was sick for a couple of days. So in our house, we were able to see the, the different ranges of how COVID can affect your system, how serious it is, and how important it is that you know, wearing a mask, um, social distancing, things like that are important. So I myself have been affected in terms of how I felt, but in my household, it was, it was no different. So there's Harrison Barnes talking about his experiences with COVID-19. And you hear him uh, talking about the difference in how he felt versus how his wife felt uh, versus how his mother felt. Um, yeah, just 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 such a such a bizarre, such a bizarre virus and such a bizarre time that we're living in man but you know Harrison uh, he made its way and, and to segue to stuff that's not even remotely as important as what Harrison Barnes was just talking about um, Harrison you know made his way to to Orlando once he cleared protocol he got in a little bit of practice this weekend a very little bit of practice this weekend and uh, he got back on the floor and you know it, 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 again I didn't feel like there were a lot of positive takeaways until the final seven, eight minutes or so. It was kind of, it, call, it kind of followed the blueprint. Like, how many times have we seen the Kings fall behind? They were behind double digits for most of the game. 
Uh, particularly when Kawhi and, and, and the studs in the Clippers uniform was playing. They were behind virtually all of the game. They were behind double digits for a big chunk of the game. And they just, they didn't like, and when I say double digits, I think it was like 12, 10, 12, 10, 12, 10, 12, 10, 12. Like that was it. It wasn't like it was 20. You know, I don't think they were ever, I don't even know that they were ever down by more than 12. If they were, it certainly wasn't much more than 12. But they they just kept it close and hard, down to single digits. All right, a couple shots later. Oh, now it's down to four, down to three. Now it's a one-possession game. It's like, okay, now the, the Kings, they're moving pretty fluidly out there. Like, all right, now we need a big shot from the Minyabilita. Well, look at that. He knocks it down. De'Aaron needs to create. All right, De'Aaron's moving a little bit. Buddy healed. We need a basket to fall for him. Eh, not so much for Buddy, but when it came time in the fourth quarter that he had to create something, he was able to do that. He had some great looks with Harry Giles as well. Harry Giles, who I thought had a fantastic game. Five of nine in his 18 minutes of play, nine rebounds. That's, that's dude, Kings fans, you've got to love that. Another very good game from Daquan Jeffries. And in a solid, a solid outing from from Kemp Bazemore. All of the things that we liked in the previous two preseason games were on full display in the third one. Every single one of them. It was Kemp Bazemore. And, and plus, I don't think I've mentioned it, Rashawn Holmes started. Rashawn Holmes got his first run after being grounded for uh, 10 days because of a hot wing incident. Boy, hot wings, man. They're 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 getting folks in the bubble between Lou Williams and Rashawn Holmes. I guess I guess in Lou Williams' case, it's like hot wings with quotes. Though I did see a, a someone posted. I I, I did, I'm sure it was something someone retweeted someone on my timeline, and I saw a picture of the hot wings that come from Magic City. Now, most of you know I'm I'm I don't I don't eat hot wings, but when I saw the picture, I thought, oh, okay, I wouldn't expect okay. Wouldn't expect that to come from a strip club, but they they looked quite incredible. So perhaps, perhaps, perhaps I get it. Perhaps I can understand. You, hey, sometimes you got to sacrifice ten days. It's not. By the way, like so, what if Lou Williams is quarantined for ten days? Like, what does that mean for the Clippers? Spoiler alert: It doesn't mean anything because again, we're all excited for the seeding games to kick off on Thursday. They still mean nothing. For the bulk of the teams that are in Orlando, for a very large percentage of the teams in Orlando, they don't mean anything. And I know that there are a couple of playoff teams that are going to try to avoid, you know, there, there, there are certain seeds that you're probably going to try to avoid so you don't have to play, you know, both top teams. You don't have to play the one and the two. You don't have to play the, the Bucks and the Raptors, or you don't have to play the, uh, the Clippers and the Lakers just to get to the NBA finals. You probably want to be in a place where someone else is going to pick off one of those top two teams and then you'll meet the other one in the conference finals. Of course, that's what you think is going to happen. We obviously have no idea. This has been such a bizarre year. Though watching so much basketball over the course of uh, the last few days, it feels like the teams that are th that were good before the break are still very, very good. Uh, I have zero recollection of the Milwaukee Bucks stumbling into you know March 11th or whatever the day their last game was I have very zero I have very little recollection of them losing three games in a row but I only thing I recall is that they were dealing with injuries and now all of a sudden they're not dealing with those injuries anymore 
So they look really dangerous. I've watched very little of the Los Angeles Lakers. Obviously watched a whole lot of the Clippers yesterday. I've watched Toronto and Boston and, and a couple of those other teams. But, you know, it's, it'll, it'll, I guess it'll be a little bit different when both teams are going full steam ahead and you're seeing guys like LeBron and Giannis and, 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 and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard playing 30-plus minutes a night, though I still think we're probably a few weeks from any of those guys playing 30-plus minutes a night and, and those, bees, those guys being in a, in a truly competitive, you know, knockdown, drag-out situation. Uh, but the Kings are only a few days away from doing that. They'll be playing uh, a game on Friday in which they absolutely have to win. You know, there's all of this, well, what do the Kings have to do over the course of eight games to make the playoffs? Oh, they've got to go at least five and three. Oh, they've got to go six and two. The fact is, and we know that the way that this Western Conference shakes out with the way that the Blazers have played this year, with the way the Pelicans have played this year, with the way the Grizzlies have played this year, uh, you need the right combination of victories. And those two games against the Pelicans, whoo, there it is right there. You know, there it is. But, you know, the, the other side of that coin is like, yep, you go out there, you get those games against the Pelicans, you at the very, very least split the games with the Pelicans. But the fact is, if they come out and they lay an egg on Friday against San Antonio, none of it really matters. Like, we can look forward to the games against the Pelicans and the Blazers, but if you don't beat a team like San Antonio, it doesn't matter. I don't know that Phoenix is on the schedule. I don't think that it is. But if you don't beat a team like Phoenix, it doesn't really have a – are really strong. I mean, they've got a chance. Everybody's got a chance. And I'm sure Monty Williams is telling his young team, like, hey, you know, no one thinks you could do this. Like, you you guys are just here to make the number even. That's it. So, I mean, those guys are going to be motivated to go. And we've seen them, meaning Phoenix, we've seen them play a good stretch of basketball over the course of eight games during the season. Not great basketball but good basketball I don't know if it's gonna take someone being good or someone being great over these course of a game I mean obviously you think that well whoever you know it's it, 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 if someone can come out there on fire and they play great for eight games boom they're in yeah of course that's accurate but you might not need that much I mean, you might just need someone to play good I mean look at what we're talking about God we, we've got the as sports fans we've got the worst memories the Kings, and, and, and we can talk about the final 20 games. Lord knows I have. We could talk about the final 10 games before, the, before the, the stoppage. Lord knows I have. But the fact is, these are, what, four or five teams that had not, at any period this season, put together a lengthy stretch of great basketball. And we blame, for the Blazers, we blame injuries. For the Pelicans, we blame them being without Zion. For the Kings, we blame injuries. Kings certainly had the best stretch, final stretch at least, of the season than any of these other teams. You know, Phoenix, ah, oh, they're just too young. They're not ready yet. Okay. No, San Antonio, they're just, I, I was expecting San Antonio to make a run. this. It never happened. I was expecting both San Antonio and Portland to make a run, and those would be the two teams competing for the eighth spot as we got around to the middle of April. Never happened. We saw Dame Lillard light the league up for weeks. It meant nothing for the Portland Trailblazers. So now all of a sudden, because we've got four months off, I'm going to start believing in the, in, the, in the Trailblazers again? No, I ain't going to do that. 
I'm not going to do that with the Pelicans either. I'm like, I'm going to remember these teams for what they were and recognize that we're in the most unique circumstance we have ever lived through in the sense that we basically had an off season uh, right before the final stretch of the regular season. And the way that the rules have been set up gives a good opportunity for potentially uh, a play-in game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Of course, if the Grizzlies play like they did earlier in the year where they had a really good stretch of basketball, well, maybe we're not even talking about Maybe there is no play-in game. We're talking about them being four and a half up, which is just one more game than what they are now. It's not a far-fetched thought. Get the four and a half up. It's a wrap. Ain't nobody, ain't no eight versus nine. But I think, you know, even though I thought, I thought there were more positives to take away from games one and two. I thought there were more positives for the Kings to take away in the two games that they lost than in the one game that they won. But you don't turn your nose up at the fact that they were down double digits regularly throughout that game against the Clippers, and they never let the game get out of hand against the top team in the league. Uh, They kept fighting. They kept fighting. They kept chipping away and chipping away. They played on both sides of the ball when Buddy's shot wasn't falling. He found Harry Giles. Harry Giles was very consistent, particularly down low. You've gotten solid performances from Daquan Jeffries. You got Harrison Barnes back out there and Rashawn Holmes back out there getting their first run. You saw Bogdan Bogdanovich have a bogey-type game with 7 of 15 from the field. Uh, You saw Belly hit a big shot, and you continue to get solid performances, or a solid performance, I should say, from Kent Bazemore. I think there's a lot of positives. You know, there, there, there are a lot of positives overall over these three games. And now we'll see what they're able to do when it matters. Now we'll see what they're able to do when Harrison Barnes and De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich and those guys and probably Rashawn Holmes as well are playing upwards of 30 minutes every single night. This Now, now we're back Now we're back all the way to where we were before the season started or, or before the restart started. Before the scrimmage game started as we were, you know, we were back in early July like, oh, it feels so far away, but let's try to talk about basketball here. What does it look like? We're looking at an all-out sprint for the next two weeks. And I don't mean just an all-out sprint in the way that they play offense. I mean that we're not managing minutes. I mean that we're not adjusting. I mean, we are. they are out there full steam ahead. And if it's uh, five guys having to play 48 minutes a night, that's what they got to do. Though that's not obviously not going to be the way that the Kings – play because that's not the way that they're built but you kind of get where I'm going here if you've got to shorten your rotation down to seven you've got to shorten the rotation down to seven we'll see it's 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 exciting again I I still don't believe when we sit down to watch basketball over the course of the next couple of weeks that we're going to be watching a ton of meaningful games but if the Pelicans are involved if the Grizzlies are involved uh, if the Blazers are involved then obviously if the Sacramento Kings are involved we're going to be watching Uh, meaningful basketball in that sense so the league gets underway on Thursday of course the Sacramento Kings get back on action or get back in action if you will on Friday Uh, if you want your gear as you gear up for the restart head over to the dopeones.com and check out our podcast collection gear check out the Damian Barlin collection that has the more than a podcast t-shirt it has the be heard t-shirt and 
we're getting some new T-shirts ready to, to throw up on there, including one of, uh, one of your favorite podcasts. Trying to get the Deuce and Mo T-shirt put up there over on thedopeones.com. we got to get one for uh, Jason Jones and J Street Vibes and Kenny Caraway and those guys. we got to get one uh, for them put together. By the way, the latest episode of the J Street Vibes with Jason Jones and Kenny Caraway dropped yesterday on the Be Heard platform, so make sure that you check that out. If you don't know how to subscribe to all of these podcasts, the easiest way to do it is to just search Be Heard in Apple Podcast, and our five podcasts will come up. Relive, uh, Deuce and Mo. J Street Vibes, the dope ones, and, of course, this one. Uh, so that's a good, quick way to find all of our podcasts. You can also find them on radio.com. Uh, I don't think I've got any other notes on the Kings game, so we can move along there. Um, but it's exciting. We uh, we made it. You know, as we, watch, as we watch Major League Baseball kind of fall apart, you think about all of the detractors that the NBA had for – for attempting this bubble situation, and you think about all the detractors that the NBA had for even attempting to restart the season, and you've got to look at what they've done, and you've—I feel like you objectively, you've got to be able to applaud it. I think they've done it right. Um, it seems to be working, and they have survived now three weeks in the bubble. They have survived three weeks in the bubble while Major League Baseball couldn't even survive a weekend operating their schedule. But you have, you know, three weeks. And then remember, in three weeks, the amount of people that are going to be there is going to be significantly smaller. So whatever percentage you have of busting the bubble, whatever percentage you have of bursting the bubble, if you will, whatever percentage you have of uh, you know potential contamination, it's... It's going to drop because you're going to have six teams and six coaching staffs and six team personnel all leaving. And then a couple weeks later, you're going to have more teams leaving. And then a couple teams later, you're going to have more teams leaving. And the further we get into this thing, the more likely it is we're going to crown an NBA champion. And the further we get into this thing without an outbreak, the more likely we are to crown an NBA champion in which we don't, because I don't believe in the Astros. I don't believe that we have to look at this as some sort of like different title. It's going to be unique if we crown an NBA champion. It's certainly going to be unique, but I don't think we have to look at it as anything like, oh, this one doesn't even count. I don't think we have to do that. The only way we do if there's a severe uh, contamination situation, and even if that's the case, even if we get a Miami Marlins situation in the NBA, I ultimately don't think we crown a champion. I think Adam Silver says it's over. We're not going to continue these games. And, and, and I believe like what Rob Manfred, the, the term that we heard a lot yesterday as it pertains to, to Rob Manfred, who insists this is not a nightmare situation for Major League Baseball. And I think that he's right, and I'll explain in a minute. But uh, we heard competitive balance. The commissioner has the right to suspend the season if he thinks that the competitive balance has come into play. And no one cares what the Marlins are doing. If the Marlins are playing with, you know, 30 players from their so-called taxi squad, no one cares. If this was the Yankees, different conversation. If this was the Dodgers, different conversation. But it's not. It's the Marlins. The Marlins Marlins were just trying to get their payday, get through the 60 games. They're not competing for anything. Uh, But the game yesterday with 
So we had we had a number of games get uh, canceled yesterday. The Marlins and uh, in the, in the Orioles they were canceled, uh, not just yesterday, but they, they they canceled today as well. The Philadelphia Phillies and New York Yankees game uh, was canceled. Uh, that's because of the tie-in between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Florida Marlins. Here's my issue with what went on yesterday with with Miami and this outbreak in Major League Baseball. Is the Marlins? From the way that this has been reported, the Marlins had a number of positive tests before their game against Philadelphia. Now, if that's the case, at some point, doesn't somebody have to step up? And maybe this is us navigating in a world that we don't fully understand yet. But we do know how contagious this disease is. Doesn't somebody for the Miami Marlins have to step up and say, hey, we've got a problem here. Like, hey, we've got an issue. We've seen, I'm, I'm sure most of you have seen the video by now of the multiple suits running out on the floor against the, in the Oklahoma City, Utah Jazz game. Sprinting out onto the floor from the locker room just before tip and grabbing the officials and paraphrasing saying, hey guys, we've got a problem. One guy, one guy tested positive. Now, I know that that was way back in March, and maybe our feelings were a little bit different, and the NBA's eyes were wide open for that so-called patient zero. One guy, multiple suits sprinting out there onto the field saying, well, or sprinting out onto the court and saying, hey, officials, we've got a problem. We need to talk. All of these positive tests in Miami, no one thought like, hey, maybe we shouldn't play this game on Sunday night? Nobody thought that? And if you did think it, who talked you out of expressing that concern? Because it became three, it went from three positive tests to seven. And now, like, I think we're at 13. Come on, man. No, nobody, nobody. And this, and, and here lies my biggest concern for today, not specifically July 28 today, but metaphorically, you look at what today is, it's the start of NFL training camp. And we speculated, you know, when we had, when we had a podcast every day without a single sport in the world going on and really no hope that they were coming back, we speculated on a number of things like the football, like the NFL laying back, watching what everybody is doing and and, and, and what would it look like if, if NFL teams were able to return and play this year? Well, we're about to find out because their ramp-up period, if you will, begins today. There'll be no practices. Training camp will look different than what we're used to seeing. Uh, there'll be no practices today. They're not supposed to be, at least. Uh, there will be, I believe it's two weeks of strength and conditioning-type drills uh, 14 days before then they start getting into uh, uh, kind of a, a, a light contact practice, almost like a walkthrough type deal. And then you have a, a maximum 14-day pad of practice before the middle of September when the season starts. But my concern with the NFL has always been the same. It's because we don't trust the NFL, or at least I don't trust the NFL. I'm assuming most of you don't trust the NFL, nor should we. It doesn't have anything to do with fandom. It just has to do with well, we're not stupid. We've seen, we've seen guys who are obviously concussed get put back into a game. 
Now, the difference between the NFL, and this is why this has been my number one concern with the NFL uh, during any conversation that we've had about them returning to play, is unlike baseball. See, baseball had to cancel games tonight. They had to cancel multiple games uh, last night and tonight. They're looking into in, in it, and in, in, I assume at the time you're listening to this, it's probably going to be made official, though, at the time we're recording it. Right now, it's uh, 6 a.m. It hasn't been announced yet. But I assume the Phillies-Yankees game in Philly is going to be canceled. Why they just didn't move the series to Yankee Stadium is beyond me. Why they just didn't say on Monday, like, hey, we've got a problem. Let's just play this game at Yankee Stadium. It's just a drive up the turnpike. Like, it's not that big of a deal. You could have gotten the game in. But... Baseball always overcomplicates stuff. Oh, by the way, guess who plays in Yankee Stadium tomorrow? Yeah, it's the Phillies. So my concern with football is, though, because you, you see you had, you had positive tests coming in on uh, Sunday. You saw everything that manifested itself yesterday uh, with multiple games canceled. There was threats of, like, there were conversations like, could this be the end of the baseball season? Could the baseball season be over before it even starts? cramming in 60 games in 67 days for these teams. But in the NFL, you have a week between games. And so how long will it be before a Mahomes, Rodgers, Breeze, Wilson, how, how long will it be before an impactful player Test positive for the virus, and the team ignores it. Team officials say, can we just get through this game? Can we, can we just? Can, we've seen it with concussions. Like, think, think, think about this for a second. We're, t- we're talking about a virus. A virus with a, and, and don't, don't get this twisted, I take the virus very seriously, and that's why I encourage you guys every single day, don't be a bitch, put your mask on, go about your day. It's simple. We all wear our masks, we live longer. Perfect. But this is a league that has allowed, you know, this is a league that denied head trauma for decades. Right? This is a league in which you, you refer to concussions as getting your bell rung. This is a league where we have seen quarterbacks virtually unconscious get picked up by their offensive linemen and thrown back under center. This is a league where we have seen star quarterbacks walk into a blue tent to get evaluated, see a turnover on the field, turn around and walk right back out of the blue tent without ever being evaluated. Because it's not convenient for them. The NFL operates teams operate on convenience. Hey, man, if this player is too hurt, like, Russ, how hurt are you? Russell Wilson goes to walk into the tent. Oh, there was a turnover. Oh, you know, Russell Wilson ain't walking into that tent. He's going back out onto the field. And the so-called NFL-appointed neurologist bats him on the ass, and he runs his way out. Oh, okay, good. Well, it's an effective form of concussion evaluation that you have there. From what we hear, and and I always, you know, allegedly, because with the NFL, I, I think with sports teams, you never know what to believe. The person who was in charge 
of COVID testing is is independent. It's the same company that's been working with Major League Baseball and the National Basketball Association. So they understand um, the need for quick turnaround on these tests. And they're used to dealing with demanding and different schedules, all those types of things, right? But how long will it be before a player on a Sunday or a Saturday test positive? And it's like, can we get through tomorrow? What can we do? How can we get through tomorrow's game? Because it's the Chiefs and it's the Patriots and we're battling for the number one seed in the, the AFC or something like that. The point is, it's a meaningful game. It's the Giants and the Cowboys. The winner gets control of the NFC East. It's maybe more likely the Giants or maybe more likely the Cowboys and the Eagles in that sense. But you get what I'm saying, right? What we saw from Major League Baseball last night in terms of it feeling like Miami just kind of shrugged their shoulders to the positives that they got on Sunday and it got way, way worse on Monday, I'm fearful that's what we're going to see with the NFL because the NFL believes it's untouchable. Jerry Jones believes he is untouchable. Owners believe that they are untouchable. NFL owners are the most powerful owners in American sports except for Mark Davis. But the other 31 are. Even when you don't know their name, they operate a football team, the most profitable sports league in this country. Pfft, a virus? Excuse me, but do you think they give a fuck about a virus? No. They didn't care about head trauma. Why are they going to care about a virus? They didn't care that players from their childhood were dying. Because their brains were swelling up. They didn't care that players from their childhood were killing themselves or others. They, they didn't, it didn't, it didn't even phase them. You think a virus in which their, their BFF at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue has told them, Psh, it ain't nothing. Don't worry about it. We'll get through it. Isn't that? None. Play football. But damn it, you better stand for that anthem. Nah, just go play football. It'll be fine. Like, that's what they're being told. I'm telling you, man. It's, Donald Trump once said, and, and I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say this until November. Donald Trump said he could walk out on the Fifth Avenue and murder somebody and not lose a vote. Well, he has figuratively put a bullet in about 100,000 people. And that number is going to continue to grow before November. And I don't think that he's lost a vote. And if he has, has he lost enough? I don't think so. And even if he does, it doesn't change anything because the NFL is going to believe that what they're getting from, hey, we've got the White House on our side. We can, we can move forward with it. Oh, if we fudge a testing result... And that's where they need to have transparency as it pertains to COVID-19, they being the NFL. They say they're operating with an independent uh, tester. Okay, perfect. That's good. Okay, how does the testing process work? And then how do the... Because... The, and this is where the, 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 the weird thing about sports and injuries come into play. 
if you 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 can't you you, you they do the injury report for gamblers right that that's why they we we've, we've known that forever but you can't release information regarding this virus testing it the the player has to do it or the individual who tests positive has to do it whether it's a player or a coach or whoever but it's not going to be that difficult to figure out like if Russell Wilson out of nowhere isn't playing if Russell Wilson out of nowhere I mean there's a list that you have to be put on is that list private like what what are the the COVID-19 IR list which is different than the regular IR list that's a mandatory three weeks. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work, but I know that what happened with Miami needs to be a wake-up call for the NFL. Because I honestly believe the NFL is arrogant enough to think this isn't going to affect them. Meaning, I, I think the NFL league office, I think Roger Goodell, and I think the people around him are very aware that this could affect them. I don't think the owners believe it can or will affect them. I honestly believe that those guys have the mentality of, we're the NFL. We ain't got nothing to worry about. We're good. Rob Manfred said yesterday, this situation with Miami, it's not a, it's not a nightmare situation. And I actually believe him. And it, or I, I don't know that I should say I believe him. That's probably the wrong term. I agree with him. I don't think this is a nightmare situation. It is certainly a bad situation. Now, you could have had the same exact situation happen with the New York Yankees, and it would have been a nightmare. You could have had the same exact situation happen with the Los Angeles Dodgers or perhaps even the Washington Nationals, and it would have been a nightmare. Miami, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're not really a part of, I mean, they're just not. It doesn't matter. The best thing Miami's got going for him is, is Derek Jeter, and I don't even know that Derek Jeter's good at this. But he's Derek Jeter. So who's kind of turned heel since becoming the owner? It's like, oh, man, this dude sucks. Yikes. So, I, I like I said, we'll probably know at some point while you're listening to this um, whether the, the Yankees-Phillies game has, has been canceled or not. I'm assuming it's if if, if it's going to be canceled and maybe they'll just double up on the games that they play in in Philly. I just don't, I don't know why they did. They could have immediately have moved. They could have immediately have gone back to New York and just said we are not playing that game in Philadelphia while that 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 uh, visitors dugout or whatever is getting quarantined or or sprayed. Why can't if you got this if you got those things that can de- can, can contaminate a plane. You know, in 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. You, you guys don't have one of those for Major League Baseball? Couldn't you have invested in, like, a couple of them and just had them, you know, strategically placed in the regions and they get shipped off to whatever, you know, portion is needed? Whether it, Like, you've got the, you know, the, the, the northeast region or the eastern region. Why, why not? Just get one of those little things that they use on the planes. There's got to be a more effective form of decontaminating the the uh, uh, an area than just not occupying it. Spray it down. Do so, do something. 
But they could have moved these games to New York and 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 alleviated a ton of panic. But it's like I I I still and and I'm happy they're playing. And I'm glad baseball figured it out. But it still it feels like baseball never can figure it out. Like they can't get it out of their own way. Like they didn't have a plan for this. It's like they were caught completely flat footed. Like wait, what do you mean? We have a whole bunch of positives on one team. Oh, dear. We did not think about this. What do we do? Them boneheads, man. Let's shift back to the NFL here. And some positive news for San Francisco 49ers fans. Uh, Rohim Mahim Mostert is good. When we talked to Kyle Matson the day after the Rohim Mostert trade, which was just such a poor trade request because his agent took to Twitter, Brett Tesler took to Twitter and said, Oh, yeah. We're not happy with how this is going. We're going to request a trade. And I had to look up Brett Tesler because I wasn't aware of who he was. And I think I'm pretty familiar with, with uh, particularly the, you know, the power brokers in the NFL and the NBA and to a certain degree Major League Baseball. It only feels like there's really one in Major League Baseball, but I know there's a couple. I didn't know who Brett Tesler was. I had to look him up. Like, oh, that's his agent. Oh, this this doesn't feel like a good idea. I feel like the San Francisco, because the... You know, when we talked to Kyle Matson the next day, you know, one thing that we both agreed on was, you know, the, the gap isn't that big. Like, this could probably get done relatively easily. I say relatively easily because it's not my money. It, meaning, if I'm the San Francisco 49ers, it's not my money that I'm spending. But the gap wasn't, it, it wasn't insurmountable. It was like, you know, I think it was about a million dollars, less than a million. It was like, they can get this figured out, especially for a guy who played as well as he did. In the postseason, and that's really what he's riding with, and I can't blame him. When you're a running back, when you're an NFL player, you have to strike while the iron is hot in terms of using your leverage. When you're an NFL running back, you have to strike while the iron is on fire. Otherwise, you ain't going to get nothing out of it. And Mostert didn't get, you know, he's not the highest paid uh, quarterback or excuse me, he's not the highest paid running back on the San Francisco 49ers. But he wanted a little bump. He got a little bump. He's got some bonuses. He's got some incentives. It's, you know, in a, in a, in a league where that position is so devalued, on a team that has so many other people that do what you do, the fact that he was able to get anything out of it, it's... It's good. It's a positive. I think it's a positive. It's a, you know, maybe not the desired end result for Raheem Mostert, but it is a. It's certainly not a negative outcome. And the San Francisco 49ers, it had to be easy for them. Yeah, like it's it's no problem. Next time, don't go to Twitter and make all these proclamations about how you want to be traded. Let's get this figured out. Let's get this worked out. And let's keep it moving. And I think that's what they were able to do. Brett Tesler, his agent, his being Raheem Mostert, tweeted, just finalized a new deal for Raheem Mostert with the San Francisco 49ers. Happy we got things worked out and looking forward to him having another great season there. Thanks to the organization for taking care of him. So, there you go. He had 772 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns. Uh, Eight of them rushing, two of them receiving. But he was phenomenal in the three playoff games. 336 yards with five touchdowns. 
uh, he was really, really good. And that's that's what he was banking on. He was like, I just had a, a postseason stretch like few ever have. Uh, let's go ahead and, and take advantage of this while we can. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to take advantage while the iron is on fire. A follow-up to yesterday, uh, Alex Smith will go from uh, a current 49er to a former 49er. Uh, Alex Smith, uh, he has been cleared by football activity by his doctor, but he has not been cleared by the San Francisco 49ers team doctor. So what they're going to do is put him on the pub list. He's going to start the season on the physically unable to perform list. So what that means is Washington's trainers and Washington's doctors and their conditioning staff, they'll get an opportunity to evaluate him and to look at him and determine whether uh, they feel he can get back out onto the football field uh, with Alex Smith's doctor, who has no allegiance to the team. Uh, the fact that he got cleared uh, by his own doctor leads me to believe it shouldn't be any problem for him getting cleared by the Washington team doctors, though it is Washington, and I don't know the dynamics of his contract if he never plays again. I know there is an injury guarantee. There is a big injury guarantee, so he, he would be owed big money no matter what. Uh, but I, you know, you, it's the NFL, and you've always got to look at, at, at situations like this. He had 17 surgeries, man. I'm telling you, I do not want this dude to play football again. I want him to get cleared to play football again, but I don't want him to play football again. I want him to stay healthy and live along. I don't want to cringe every time he gets hit. Uh, but hopefully he goes through this process with Washington. He gets the thumbs up, and then he can decide uh, what he wants to do right there. Appreciate you so much uh, for tuning in. As always, please make sure you check out and support the rest of the podcast over here on the Be Heard podcast platform. Just search Be Heard in Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Uh, make sure you give us a follow across our various social media platforms. We even got a at Be Heard, both on Twitter and on Instagram, so you can check us out there. Uh, we'll have a new episode of the Sacramento Kings podcast going up here very shortly. We've got a new episode of Be Conscious coming up very shortly. So if you want to go check us out, if you want more content, if you just can't get enough of the content that is available absolutely free here, uh, you can check out our subscription service on patreon.com slash Damian Barling. Uh, while you're perusing the Internet, working from home, uh, go to the dopeones.com and check out our podcast gear. We appreciate you so much for being with us. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you here tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barling.